You are listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. Hey, will you help me give the Lord a hand for that testimony from Jeffrey at our Myrtle Beach campus? Um, so very cool uh, what God's doing in and through us. And, you know, I just want to acknowledge something. The Bible tells us that the way we overcome is by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And that's a beautiful example of a guy that God is using right there in his work, in his profession. He's not a professional minister. He's not a vocational pastor. He is an everyday guy that God is using and shaping him, and he's being used in ministry. And so that's what this series is about. It's a series called Sent, and it's on the book of Acts. If you've got your Bible, please open them up to Acts chapter 8. We're going to be in the back half of that chapter. We'll be in verse 26 through the rest of chapter 8 today. And while you're turning there, I want to celebrate a couple of things with you. One, last weekend in New Spring Church was the largest attendance we've had since COVID, which is a big deal, right? I mean, people are coming back to church. Uh, In addition to that, I'll just go ahead and I don't think this is prophetic, but based on the crowd here this morning that I'm looking at in Anderson, I'm going to say that this week's attendance will be larger than last week's attendance. And so I want to say welcome the parking lot this morning. I was talking to some of our volunteers. All the first-timer spots are filled up. They're having to put them in other places. So Anderson campus and all of our campuses, would you put your hands together and welcome all those that are here with us for the very first time? Welcome to church. Uh, Now, a lot of these, I think, are college students. So if you're a college student returning at your campus, would you make a little noise? Let us know you're here. Where are our college students at? All right, I figured some of that. I said hello to some parents that were here dropping off their freshmen from PA this morning. And uh, we're glad to have you. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about us before we jump into the text, okay? We are just a bunch of common, ordinary men and women who believe the Bible and that Jesus Christ is doing his very best work now, that the world is actually, while there are things that are getting darker and darker, the kingdom of God continues to get brighter and brighter. And we are called to be a city on a hill, And so we're just a people that are called out to follow the things of God, and I'm excited to be a part of the team. One of the things we are convicted of here at New Spring Church is that Christianity is a team sport. Can I get an amen, New Spring? It's a team sport, and we've all got a role to play. And so one of the things you need to know about us, a little housekeeping up front before I get into the text, is that we've got a vision here to see everyone everywhere in an everyday relationship with Jesus Christ. That we need a lot more of Jesus than an hour on a Sunday morning. That we need to walk with him every day. And actually, that's the heart of God. And so we're trying to organize and do that. And so some really cool things have been happening that I want to let you know about. If you're new with us, you'll just catch on to this. But if you're a New Spring regular, this will be really exciting things. The first thing is, last weekend, you got to hear from Pastor Clayton King. But right after that service, our elders got together and our leadership support team got together. That is what our board is comprised of. And we celebrated a couple of things. The first thing that we celebrated has to do with my good friend, Pastor Shane Duffy. Let me show you a picture of Shane. Uh, He's right there if you're on the campus. If you're in the room at Anderson, he's actually sitting right there, okay? So he's sitting right there. Uh, And so if you know this, Shane and Sherry have been around New Spring for a long time, like 20 years long time, two decades long time. And we got to celebrate that Shane is now taking over the role of director of our New Spring Network. Now you're like, okay, that's cool. What is that? 
Our New Spring Network is going to be driving and overseeing, shepherding and coaching our efforts to plant churches in the earth. By 2030, we have specifically said we desire to plant 10 churches by 2030. We announced the first one of those six months ago. It was in Kenya. But Shane is gonna take on the role of leading and recruiting and helping lead the charge. So we wanna celebrate that with you guys. Would you celebrate that with Shane and our church? Excited, Shane. Our 2030 vision. So just let me say this, because I actually got an email last week about this. If you know God's stirring your heart, to be one of these sent men or women, to be a part of planting a church, you'll have opportunities for that, but you need to get to know Shane. Shoot him an email. Shoot New Spring Network an email. We are trying to see the kingdom of God brought to the earth, and Shane's gonna lead that. Now, in order to let Shane do that, we had to actually replace some of the things he had been overseeing. And so for the last 12 months, there's been two men that have been in an associate lead pastor role. They've been getting vetted, and tested, and they're not gonna be unfamiliar to you. You're gonna know them. The first one that last week was unanimously welcomed into our elder body as a church was Pastor Lee McDermott. Here's Pastor Lee. Yeah. Now, Lee grew up right here at Anderson. He actually went to Anderson University. He's a part of our Greenville campus. So you're in Greenville, you know Lee. But Lee has been a part of this church for 23 years. And it gave us great honor last week to lay hands on Lee and bless him into the elder body. So Lee will actually be lead pastor of our global ministries. He'll help Shane and our missions ministries in the earth. So Lee's gonna be doing that. So y'all celebrate that with us one more time. We're excited for Lee. And then one other person got welcomed to that elder body who was going through the associate role, tested for 12 months, and it gives me great joy to let you know that Pastor Riley Cummings has been invited. He's also sitting right over there. You and Anderson know Riley because he's been right here. Uh, pastor in here at this campus for a while. He also decided he was going for the J. Crew look in that photo. No, no teeth, looking good, Riley. Excited for him. And uh, he will be welcomed into our elder body. Hey, and Anderson, you know this as well. We'll talk more about this at the end of the service. But that means that you get to welcome Pastor Alan Cothran. Right here, we'll be leading in Anderson. So we'll talk about that in the Anderson campus at the end of the service. But hey, New Spring Global, I just want to let you know, God's doing great things and he does it through average, ordinary men and women just like us. That Christianity is a team sport. And so I hope during the preaching of this word today and during the, the next months, if you're a new college student, that you would feel like that you can be here more than just, listen to me, someone who comes and consumes. I hope you come and consume, take it in. But I hope God would continue to prompt you to get involved to be a part of contributing to the house of God. Wherever you go, if it's not New Spring and you go to another church, that is fantastic. Get involved. I can remember walking into this auditorium. I actually sat right over there for the very first time and got involved here at New Spring Church. Had no idea that, that uh, 18 years later, I'd be a part of the elder body here. And I'm so excited for all of you on all of our campuses. But man, God's got great things for you and I when we jump in and we say yes to whatever he's called us to. If you're ready for the word today, say, I'm ready. ready. All right, let's open up our Bibles to Acts 8. Open up your notebooks and let me catch you up. The last two weeks, we have nailed down a couple of things about the Great Commission, about going, about being sent. And here's what I want you to know. The first statement that I want you to write down is this, that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. But God so loves your world and mine that he's sending you and me. 
God so loved the world that he sent Jesus and God loves your world that he's sending you. And this is, this is what Christians have been saying yes to for 2,000 years. And I want you to know that this comes into, again, it comes into juxtaposition with the American way of doing church. It comes into to conflict with comfortable Christianity. It's gonna actually call us to do more than just consume. It's gonna call us to contribute. It's gonna call us to get involved. And God wants to reach your world. I wanna look at you right in the eye and say, God wants to reach your world. He wants to reach your college. He wants to reach your, your I mean, he wants to reach your subdivision. He wants to reach your apartment complex. He wants to reach your ninth grade class. He wants to reach your world. But you and I both know, and we've already talked about this, that God is not gonna put a 35-minute sermon in the mouth of one person. It's gonna just all of a sudden reach your world. Preaching is essential. Worship is essential. But it's not gonna be some fantastic worship service that causes people at your job to say yes to Christ or your school. It's gonna be because you and I believe that God Though he stirs us up through preaching and worship, he moves us into our homes, into our workspaces, into our college campuses, into our middle schools and high schools, and we are the ones that God sends. That is plan A, and there is no plan B. He loves the world so much that he sent Jesus, and then he loves your world so much he's sending you and me. So the other way we've been saying this is very simply that uh, when it comes to the idea that God is ascending God and he's creating ascending people, we get these words right from Jesus. He said this in John, in John chapter 20 and verse 21, it says this, as the father has sent me, even so I am what, New Spring Church, even so I am sending you. These are the words of Christ. As the father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. So we've been getting around that reality that God is sending us. And I can tell you, I have felt sent over the last several weeks. And, and today we're gonna see a man who said yes to being sent. His name is Philip. And in Acts chapter eight, he is going to be sent. And we've got three points today, but let's read the text together and then we'll jump in, okay? Acts chapter eight, verse 26. Here is Philip. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go. That's what God's gonna do to us today. He's gonna call us to rise and go. Go toward the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. You can leave that text up. I'm gonna put a button in this. Just a bit of backstory here. If you don't know where Ethiopia is, it's Northern Africa. If you don't know um, what a eunuch is, you need to talk to your mom and dad at lunch today. They'll tell you what a eunuch is, or you can you Google it, okay, Google it. But uh, functionally, a eunuch uh, was someone who had lost their ability to sexually reproduce. You with me? Remember Bob Barker? Have all your pets spayed or neutered. Okay, all right. I don't know where that came from. God wanted us to hear that. That's okay. <laughs> a eunuch. Now listen, where did this Ethiopian eunuch come from? Well, if you think about this, we just got out of the book of Proverbs just a couple of months last, over the summer. This comes from, listen, this comes from the queen of Sheba who had come to see the wisdom of Solomon, was so impressed with the God of Solomon that she took the faith of Solomon back to her people, and so a thousand years later, there's still a remnant of that faith 
in this Ethiopian country. Now a new queen, Candace, is there. And this Ethiopian probably was coming to see the temple. The first temple was built by Solomon and there was actually some Ethiopian um, special wood that had been brought from Ethiopia there and it had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. Now a thousand years later, the new temple, the second temple, the one that Jesus would have ministered in, had been rebuilt by Herod. And so this Ethiopian probably wanted to come and worship and see the new temple. He had heard of the old one. So he comes and he sees the new temple. That's who this Ethiopian eunuch was. And he was in charge of all the wealth and riches of Candace. So he was a very prestigious, royal, wealthy man from Africa coming to worship there. So we'll continue and pick it back up now that we've got the context. He was in charge of all our treasure. And he had come there to Jerusalem to worship. 28, and he was returning now. So he's going back home. He's seated in his chariot and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, second time we see this kind of energy, go over and join this chariot and watch what Philip does. So Philip ran to him and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and he asked him a question. Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? He needed a shepherd. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. That's actually Isaiah 53. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and he said this. And beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about who? The good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's the water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord, listen to this, carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotos. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Father God, we've read your word. Now we invite your word by your spirit to read us. Would you encourage us? Would you strengthen us? Would you cause us to repent and convict us if we need to change our minds? Give us your mind on this. And would you stir your church up to love and good deeds because of the foolishness of preaching? Hide me behind the cross. Glorify your name. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody says together, amen. Three points today. Point number one I want you to write down from this text that we can see very clearly is that the Holy Spirit is talking. And he's talking to you. The Holy Spirit is talking and he's talking to you. We see this in the text. If you look in verse 26 and 29, I want you to put your eyes on it if you've got a hard text in front of you. In verse 26, it said that, that the, the angel of the Lord said to Philip. So he was, he was hearing from God. 
He told him to, he told him to rise and go. He was sending him. And then down further in verse 29, it says the same thing. It says, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So one of the principles that we need to get a hold of if we're gonna be sent is very simply this, the Holy Spirit is talking. And this is the way that the Lord works and has been working for 2,000 years. He speaks to his people. Just as a side note, this is actually one of the ways that you can know that you're a Christ follower, that, that you hear that what, what many have called forever, the still small voice, that you would be prompted to, to go somewhere, to say something, to do something, that it would call you out of your normal way of doing life and that you would be sent. For 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit has been talking to God's people. Now, I don't know if you recognize this, but you've got to begin to recognize the voice of God. I can tell you, growing up, I loved playing sports. Anybody else love playing sports? Come on, show of hands where you at. All right, loved it, loved it. Whatever was in season, I was playing. I loved it. And I, you may not have been this way, but I loved, loved, loved hearing the roar of a crowd. Now, it could be Little League Baseball. It could be a track meet. It could be a basketball game. It could be a football game. Football is right here upon us. It's America's sport, all right? So we we'll are all get excited about that and, and all that's coming. But you know what I could do? Didn't matter where I was. Didn't matter how crowd, the, how crowd the loud was, how loud the crowd was. I could hear my dad's voice over everyone else's. Anybody else got that experience before? I could hear my mom's voice over everyone else's. Now, if my mom was yelling, something really, really bad had happened. She was not that person, okay? But it, it's something really intense that I could hear. But my dad, he was yelling all the time, okay? And he was generally positive, but he was always shouting. I could pick up his voice. You know why? Because I knew his voice. We'd had many conversations. And I didn't just know his voice when we were in the game. I knew his voice when we were at the house. I didn't just know his voice in the heat of the moment. I knew his voice in the calmness of the everyday life. One of the reasons that we can begin to hear the voice of God in our life is because we have read the, the tone of God and the voice of God every day. Do you know what the voice of God sounds like? It sounds like this right here. The voice of God sounds like the word of God. And one of the things that you need to acknowledge is if you're going to be someone who hears the Holy Spirit talking to you is that you've gotta get yourself in this book. I wanna give a shout out to our Fuse students. Many of them came back from Gauntlet and they took up, they wanted to read the whole Bible in 30 days, 30 days. And many of these Fuse students did it. They called it the shred. They kept each other accountable. And for 30 days, they went from cover to cover and they read this Bible. You know what I know about those students? They wanna hear from God and they're going to hear from God because they know what God sounds like. It's difficult to be able to hear from God if you don't lean into the word of God. I wanna encourage you, church, to get into the word of God. Just as a matter of fact, while I'm talking about Fuse for a moment, they had 1,753 students here on Wednesday night, still in the summertime. It was a huge crowd, huge crowd across all of our campuses. And I just wanna say this while I've got everybody here, we have a massive need right now for volunteers in Fuse. Massive. What a good problem to have. Shame on the church who says, hey, where is the next generation, but then won't come and serve the next generation. We had nearly 500 volunteers this week, but we need more. And so I wanna encourage you, if you've been looking for a sign or a nudge to get involved in Fuse, here it is. 
I'm waving at you. This is your sign or nudge. Come and be a part of a small group. Come and lead on a Wednesday night. Come and get involved in the next generation and point them to Jesus. They're trying to hear from God and they need somebody to show them the way. If you receive that, say amen. Amen. You can talk to your guest services folks at the end of this service if you want to get involved, okay? So the Holy Spirit was talking to him. And so here's one of the points that I want you to see because I think this is one of the things that holds many of us back when it comes to actually going is that we think that God's not spoken. I want you to hear very clearly, God has called us to go. God has called us to gather on a Sunday, but in 30 minutes or so, the church will leave the building and you have been called to go. There is no such thing as somebody who follows Christ and lives the rest of their life in neutral. We've all been called to go. Now, it doesn't mean necessarily that you're gonna go across the Atlantic Ocean. You might, but you have definitely been called to go. And you've been called to go in the place where you are. And so I wanna, I wanna show you in this next point the way that might look. And you ready? Here's what you need to understand. One of the things that can keep you from going is that you think you've gotta do all the work yourself. But I want you to know, not only is God gonna talk to you, point number two, God is gonna be talking to others, and he is. He's talking to others. And so as we go, one of the things we're invited to do is just to pick up on the conversation that God has already been having with others. God's already been talking to your classmates at school, students. All summer long, he's been prompting them and whispering to them and he's been showing up through, whether it's been through pain or through, through circumstances, God's been having a conversation with, with your college campus. God's been having a conversation with your coworkers. God's been having a conversation with that friend at your, at your workplace. And so as you go, you need to have confidence that you're gonna intersect in the conversation that God has been having with them. And he's gonna place you in a space, if you'll tune into his voice, where you're going to intersect the perfect moment where your conversation with them and God's conversation with them is gonna lead to a breakthrough in their life. That's exactly what happened here. Now, here's the thing that I see in the text that I wanna point out. Did you notice what Philip did when the Spirit spoke to him in verse 29? If you got your text open, what did the Spirit do? It said, the Spirit actually spoke to him, and what did he do? Anybody, anybody seeing it in front of them? What did he do? What was his response? He ran. He ran. Now, I just gotta be real honest. I can hear the voice of God. I have heard the voice of God, and so many times, I do not run. Anybody honest in church today say they don't run? Yeah, I, I don't run. Brittany, I don't run sometimes. I hear the voice of God, I hear that whisper of God, I'm pumping gas and, and the Lord says just something really subtle like, hey, just engage that person on the other side of the gas pump. Y'all ever had that awkward moment where you're like both pumping gas, you're like right there and they're kind of aware of you and you're aware of them and you just don't say anything, okay? And I'm ultra extroverted, but I've had that moment where the spirit speaks and I just don't say anything. I just mind my own business. If they wanna speak to me, they'll say hello. And I just wanna say out loud, I wanna shame the devil and say, we wanna be a people that when we hear the whisper of God, I wanna be the kind of person that runs the minute I hear. I don't wanna choose the, the flight side of that. I wanna choose the run towards it. I wanna, I wanna go towards when I hear God speak. What would it look like if thousands of us this week, when we hear the whisper of God in our workspaces, in our neighborhoods, at our restaurants, maybe even at lunch today, when we hear the voice of God and we don't run away from it, but instead we run towards it. We run towards that person. We run towards that opportunity. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen, really? They feel like they've been seen, they've been encouraged, they've been loved, they've been acknowledged. 
What would it look like if we were the kind of people that left this facility and we didn't just go through the motions of cultural Christianity, but we, again, we understood that the church is leaving the building and our communities felt us running towards the needs. Man, this can't just be aspirational in a pep talk on a Sunday morning. It's actually gotta be executed by us. And so I'm going this week and I'm gonna run. Can I ask a question? Not rhetorical. Who's running with me towards people in need this week? Where you at? Let's run this week. Let's be the kind of people that run because God's already having conversations with others and it's gonna be us running towards them where we're gonna see miracles happen. We're gonna see it happen. And that's exactly what Philip experienced. He runs towards this man and then, now listen, it doesn't say it in the text, but Philip recognized what he was reading. How well do you have to know the Bible to just hear somebody reading a text and know where they're reading. Like, you know, let's try it right here at Anderson, okay? I'm just gonna go right here. Um, The word of the Lord came to me saying, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. Anybody know it? It was Jeremiah. Y'all give her a hand. Somebody knows the voice of their father. That's it. They know the voice of God. We'll test the 1115 and see if they're as good. Got some Bible students in the 915 today. What would it look like, guys, if we knew the voice of God so clearly that when we picked up on cultural conversations, we knew just how, listen, winsomely to insert the good news into that cultural moment. Somebody starts talking about a lyric from a song, and you go, oh, you know where they got that lyric? They got that lyric from Taylor Swift, $2 billion in tour this year. You know where they got that lyric? That's because somebody told her about Jesus a long time ago, and you stop talking about Taylor and start talking about Jesus. And that's not because we're throwing any shade at Taylor. That's because we know the voice of God. What all of a sudden, if we start talking about politics and governance, and somebody starts saying this, this, and this, and we're able to insert that, hey, you know where they got that concept, that idea, that actually comes from God, who actually gives dignity to all people. That doesn't come from American Constitution. That actually comes from the God who created men and women. What would that look like? That would look like a subversive people being wise and clever as serpents and innocent as doves, which, by the way, is exactly how Jesus sent his disciples out into the earth. Amen? This is our opportunity. This is what God's called us to when we're sent. And this is what Philip does. He gets up there in that chariot and he goes down the road and he explains how all of the Old Testament is a pointer to Jesus Christ. And so here's point number three and our final point today is very simply this. Today's obedience leads to tomorrow's blessing. Friends, we've got to understand that obedience is not legalism. You hear me? Church, obedience is not legalism. Doing the right thing is always the right thing. And obedience is actually the highest form of worship. Somewhere along the line, obedience got like dogged out in the American church. Like it was uncool to be obedient. Like it's it's cool for Christians to be just a little bit sinful. I just wanna encourage you not to buy into that. That's what lukewarm Christianity looks like. You've been called out and set apart and purchased with the most precious thing in all the universe, the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's plenty of grace if you make mistakes, but we gotta stop making it casual to be a Christian who sins a little bit. That's not who God's called us to be. That's not who the people of God are. 
And it doesn't make sense with the scriptures either. Just to go down the line, the reality is, and you guys know this, but Jesus Christ came and he purchased us with his blood. And, and the metaphor the scripture uses is this is actually a proposal. And you know what that looks like, don't you? Proposing. I got on a knee like this once, asked Corey Cooper, Corey O'Toole at the time, thank you, Mr. Doug, to say yes, and she did. The Bible actually uses this metaphor when it comes to the nation, God's people, that Jesus would come and make a proposal to the people of God. They would say yes, this is the act of salvation. In Jewish custom, once you are betrothed, the Jewish man goes away and he prepares a place for his bride. Does that language sound familiar to anybody? Prepares a place for you? And then the, the Jewish fiance female, the, the, the actual bride of Christ, aka the church, that church, that bride goes and prepares herself for the groom. Now, I just wanna point this out. How ridiculous would it be that if we, the people of God, have said yes to Jesus Christ, to then turn and say yes to all the lovers of the world, when he has he is asked us to be with him, he's going to prepare a place for us. Do you know what our job is, Christ follower? Is to prepare ourselves for the coming bridegroom. So the church should look more beautiful every single day. You are the church and you should look more beautiful every single day. And in order to do that, we've gotta have a right view of what sin is and a right view of what holiness is and understand that obedience is the highest form of worship. And our obedience today, God woos us into it. He loves us into it. He calls us into his kindness to repent. Our obedience today will lead to blessings tomorrow. That's exactly what happened when Philip ran towards this man. He, he actually was able to show this man the scripture and you can just imagine them going down the road. They're going down the road. He's unpacking the text for them and all of a sudden the Ethiopian eunuch, did, did you see what he said? He pointed to something outside of the chariot. What was it? He said, here is some what? Water. What's keeping me from being baptized? Now let me ask you a question. Where is baptism in the Old Testament? quiet. You know why? Because there's no such thing. There's, there is an idea of washing in the mikvah to, to purify yourself, but you know where baptism came from, don't you? It came from the ones that Clayton preached about last week, 3,000 being baptized in a day. So you can infer that Philip was able to connect all of the Old Testament with what God was doing in the earth right then and there, and that this eunuch also if he was gonna follow Jesus Christ, if he was gonna fulfill what Christ had done, if he was gonna put his faith in Jesus, he too wanted to be a part of the family of God. And Philip told him that if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, the next thing you should do as a symbol and a sign is to go public and to be baptized. And I can just imagine they're going down the road in the chariot and the eunuch says, here, right here, let's do it right here. What's holding me back? And sure enough, they jump up out of that chariot and he goes and gets baptized. And the Bible records that something crazy happened that as soon as the baptism occurred, Philip was like transported. I don't know if that's like Star Trek stuff or what. We'll, we'll talk about it in heaven one day. God, what did you do there? Picks him up and he pulls him off the road to the desert in Gaza and he sends him up north to Caesarea where he preaches the gospel. Philip would earn a moniker, by the way. I believe this was the first time that Philip ever shared his faith. Later on, Philip would be known as something else. To, does anybody know what Philip was called? He was called Philip the 
evangelist. Philip the evangelist. But before he was known as the evangelist, he had to share his faith for the very first time. He did. He was transported up there to Caesarea, which by the way, chapter nine of Acts, we're gonna meet this guy named Paul. Paul's gonna like completely change the ministry of the church. And Philip and his four daughters that he would have with his wife in Caesarea, decades later would still be in Caesarea when Paul was in prison with Agrippa and Festus awaiting trial being sent. And guess who would be there to take care of him and be a church around Paul while he was in prison? Philip the evangelist and his whole family in the church. You see, obedience in one moment leads to blessings in the other. But it wasn't just Philip's obedience, it was also this Ethiopian eunuch's obedience. Because today, 2,000 years later, there is an entire nation of Ethiopian Coptic Christians that can tie their national lineage and their worship of Jesus Christ to one man. One man who had been cut off in the natural, but he had been invited in by Jesus Christ in a supernatural way into the family of God, who said, what's keeping me from being baptized right here? I wanna be a part of the family of God, and so he does. His obedience to take his next step leads to rejoicing and leads to him evangelizing. And we today, 2,000 years later, you see, guys, this is not fantasy. This is not romanticized, idealized things. This is the truth of the gospel. This is the way the church works. If Jesus Christ tarries and doesn't come back this year, next year, and the next, how will people a thousand years from now hear about the gospel? It's gonna be because you and I take a step of obedience today and it's gonna lead to blessings tomorrow. So here's my question as we bring this message to a close. What is your step of obedience today? I believe that that Ethiopian eunuch, he got in his chariot, he started riding down the street. I mean, I can't even imagine what he's thinking. He opens up that scroll of Isaiah, which by the way, it didn't have chapter and verse yet. It was just one big old long scroll. He had been reading in Isaiah 53, but he would have kept reading as he went down the road. And as he gets to Isaiah 56, look at this. This is so good. He gets to Isaiah 56. Do you know what words he'll read? Look at them, they'll be on the screen. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, are you kidding me? It's right there. Let not the eunuch say, behold, I'm a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. Here's some familiar words. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for what? A house of prayer for all peoples. You see, it wasn't Jerusalem. It was the people of God. God was building in Jesus Christ who actually said those words when he overturned the table in the court of the Gentiles, the court of the nations. He said, I'm building a multi-ethnic people from every tribe, nation, and tongue, and they will come and worship me. 
And you might have been cut off in the natural, but you will be invited in supernaturally to the family of God. Every nation, every tribe. And so it's on offer to you and I today to be a part of that people. If you're a part of the people of Jesus Christ and you've placed your faith in him, I I want to encourage you that today, many of you, perhaps your next step like the eunuch is to go public with your faith. And you know how you do that? You do that through baptism. And maybe you know today, I've never been baptized. I need to do that. I want to encourage you. What would it look like for you to say today, I want to get baptized, I want to be baptized, and to use the next week, two weeks, month, to recruit people in your life from your workplace, from your neighborhood, from your home, friends and family, the ones that would never come and sit with you at church. But if you tell them, hey, I'm getting baptized on a Sunday in September, would you come and be a part of that? I'd really be, it'd blow me away. Not only would they say yes, but actually statistics tell us that they would. That that uncle that hadn't been to church in, in decades, he'd come and sit here and see you get baptized. That friend, coworker, family member, that they're ashamed to come and be a part of the house of God for whatever reason, they're de-churched, they, they've got some, they would come and be a part of you taking your next step. So I wanna just put before us that we've all got obedience in our future. We've all got the reality that we've been sent, God's calling us. We all recognize that God's talking to others and he's sending us to intersect them. But what would it look like as we walk out of here and we go and be the church in our world to invite people into the good news, just like we see Philip in this Ethiopian do in Acts 8. On all of our campuses, would you stand to your feet as we prepare to respond? What does obedience look like for you? What's it look like for you to be sent? Our ministry teams are gonna come and they're gonna be ready to serve communion. They're gonna be ready to lay hands and pray. They're ready to pray for you if you've got something going on. But I just wanna put this specific, specific invitation out there. If you know today that your next step is baptism, young or old, You've never done that. I wanna invite you as people begin to move in your room to come and tell one of the ministry team members that you need to take your next step in baptism. And they'll help pray with you and help you prepare for for you to be able to use that baptism moment to actually change your family. The Ethiopian eunuch did, it launched him to changing a whole nation. What would it look like for your entire work team to be changed because you take a step in baptism? Man, that's what's on offer. So I'm gonna pray, worship teams are gonna come, pastors are gonna come on all of our campuses and let's respond today as the Lord leads us, okay? Father God, we thank you for the good news of your gospel, that Jesus Christ, you are what the Old Testament is all about, that you fulfilled every prophecy and every word and Lord, that you ultimately died on a cross for the sins of all of us and you resurrected in power and you ascended on high to go and prepare a place for us And so here we are, God, and we are preparing ourselves for you and that place. And so, Lord, as we lean into obedience today, and we say obedience is our form of worship, would you lead us with your still small voice? It'll never be easier than in this space of a a warm home team location here in your church to take a step of obedience. And so, God, would you lead men and women to do just that in these next few moments? It's in Jesus' name that I pray. We all say together, amen, amen. Now here in Anderson, I meant what I said. We'll, we'll wait for everybody everywhere. Let me, let me lay a couple of things out because you don't necessarily know if you've come in today's your very first moment. Communion tables, these are for those that are in Christ. Come and receive communion today 
if you're in Christ. Be encouraged. We've got prayer teams. If you've got something going on in your life or your family, I want to encourage you today to come and receive and knit faith with these prayer teams. To place your faith with them in Christ to believe for whatever needs to change. But I want to say very clearly, if you have never been baptized, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and have never gone public for Him, this is your opportunity. As folks begin to move, come and talk to someone about that. We want to celebrate and we want to plan how to be what Jesus said, sin into the earth as clever and sly as serpents, but innocent as doves. We want to help you get friends, family, co-workers here so that you might be able to stand in the waters of baptism like we saw Tony do a little earlier in this room. Well done. And say, who's your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ. And it might be the opportunity for your co-worker to come and hear the gospel. So if that's you today, don't fight the Holy Spirit. Come and tell someone while we move and respond, all right? Worship team's gonna come. Feel free to move. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina.